My guest is Philippe Etienne. Philippe Etienne is the Ambassador of France to the United States. Before that, he was the diplomatic advisor and Sherpa of President Macron in Paris. Before that, he was France's ambassador to Germany. And before that, he was the permanent representative of France to the European Union. Welcome to the podcast, Philippe. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. I'm going to start, if I may, uh, Philippe, by going back a few months to September of last year and the famous AUKUS situation. And you, I think you, I'm right in saying you were the first ambassador of France to the United States who was recalled back to Paris by the president because the, the tensions were rising quite high. Is that a fair representation of what happened? Yes, with one slight uh, nuance. I, I was the first ambassador who was recalled for consultations okay. uh, to Paris. Uh, and the reason was that we we wanted to express our disappointment uh, about not only um, the result of this new project for France, but also about the way it had been handled. Right. And uh, what what did uh, President Macron seek to uh, achieve by making this statement? Uh, we wanted to make our American allies aware of uh, uh, this um, the gravity of this behavior between allies, and uh, our message was uh, understood. And we we had um, with the United States uh, at least maybe more quickly than with the uh, two other partners in AUKUS. We had a, a very, very quick conversation at the highest level. The President of the United States reached out to the President of France. They talked uh, very rapidly on the phone and even twice, and then they met in Rome at the end of October. The two of them were in Italy for the G20 summit, and they had a, a bilateral summit on this occasion. Right. After six weeks of a very, very intense bilateral work at all levels, and they published a common declaration in Rome, which uh, is uh, both uh, at the same time was the the resume of this conversation, but also for the future e was and is and remains a, a roadmap for our political and strategic dialogue between France and the United States. It's maybe useful to, to underline that this uh, declaration is, is focused on um, three foreign policy and national security issues which are really important. Indo-Pacific, the fight against terrorism in Africa and European defense, whereby the United States recognized the importance of a stronger and more capable European defense in all its dimensions for our common security and for the global security. Right. And I think it was quite important uh, and after some, uh, some, uh, some time now and after considering what happened in between. Uh, this declaration also launched a, a series of bilateral dialogues which are important on clean energy, on space and on other strategic issues for our bilateral relation. So in a nutshell, uh, after the situation around AUKUS, a very swift uh, work, political and diplomatic work, to rebuild the trust between two allies. So the situation is now back to, to normal, status quo ante? Uh, the world is moving anyway, yeah. so yeah. You, you, you are never back to the situation and uh, whatever the issue is. And um, this uh, situation, as you call it, has, uh, has led actually to, to something which is uh, that the US, United States, 
and this administration and uh, the press and uh, the the people here in Washington maybe became more aware of the still more aware of the fact that for France and more broadly for the European Union the Indo-Pacific is really also something important and that France as far as we are concerned as a nation has uh, territories mm. both in the Indian Ocean and in the Pacific Ocean has populations uh, close to two million people living there cities French citizens and also um, even military forces so this is something we we have um, now clearly understood on both sides and it's it's interesting to note that uh, practically on the day AUKUS was announced the European Union has published its own Indo-Pacific strategy right. and thanks to this dialogue between France and the US following AUKUS we uh, we have launched a new EU-US dialogue on the Indo-Pacific. Okay, well let's fast forward then to, to February 24th and the Russia's invasion of Ukraine and and how would you characterize how the, the West broadly defined has responded or a, and is responding to this to aggression from, from Russia? Uh, are, are things happening that even you with all your experience uh, would consider uh, unheard of, unthinkable even a short while ago? Absolutely, this um, brutal, unprovoked, unjustified invasion of Ukraine by Russia has provoked uh, a very um, strong, very quick and quite closely coordinated answer by uh, Europeans and Americans and other allies and like-minded partners on the different fronts. Mm. And we had to have this reaction considering the gravity uh, of what uh, what has been happening since uh, February 24th but it was remarkable that it was so 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 quick and so 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 closely coordinated France is holding um, the presidency the rotating presidency of the Council of the European Union and of course the French presidency had a, a very important role to to play to mobilize mm. the EU together with the institutions, of course, mm. in all uh, relevant fields. In the area of sanctions, for example? The sanctions had been uh, prepared in advance right. between, uh, uh, in particular, the EU Commission and the US administration, and in close consultation with all, uh, all stakeholders and uh, EU member states in particular. But uh, we had also to mobilize all the EU countries to, to grant the statute of temporary protection to right. uh, Ukrainian refugees, for instance. Mm. Millions of uh, refugees, in particular women and, and children, were welcomed in the European Union, and thanks to the very quick reaction, this very quick decision by the EU ministers, they, they benefited first time, and especially in such a dimension, from uh, access to, to schools, to, to social benefits, to mm. jobs. So it's very, very quick reaction also on all other relevant uh, fields. Can we talk then briefly also uh, to be more holistic about the role of NATO? Uh, not so long ago, your president famously characterized NATO as being brain dead in an interview 
with a British newspaper, and there's been a suspicion for a long time that, especially under the Trump administration, but to a certain extent under the under the Biden administration, until the invasion of Ukraine, that NATO was not no longer fit for purpose. Do you see now across the broad membership of NATO a major uh, rethinking of them, not just the value of NATO in this kind of situation, but how NATO has to evolve quite dramatically in the future? First, I, I think it is important to, to, to say that uh, this uh, famous interview of President Macron about uh, brain dead first was a, a description of the state of the political, not of the military, but of the political right. okay. uh, consultation process inside the alliance. Right. It was during the Trump administration and yeah. following very difficult events in, in Syria and especially in northern Syria, in particular with Turkey, while we were fighting against uh, the, and we are still fighting against the terrorist organization who has attacked France in 2015, and uh, uh, in particular with the terrorist attacks in Paris. Mm. This was the context of the statement, of the very strong words used, and this words, this statement by the French president have, have led to a work, have been followed by a work inside NATO, uh, which, uh, which was prepared by, the, by a group of uh, personalities mm. and which now is, so to say, translated into the preparation of a new strategic concept, uh, which w should be adopted by the NATO summit in Madrid, while the European Union itself uh, at the EU European summit in March has uh, adopted this, its strategic compass. Right. So this, you see uh, both in, the, in NATO and the EU, a process of thinking and of or political conversation about the role of these organizations um, in our collective defense and in our security. And by the way, in particular, because for us it is absolutely important and it is addressed in this declaration in Rome, I mentioned mm. the importance of a, a strategic partnership bec be between the EU and NATO. What this invasion, the invasion, the Russian war in Ukraine reminds us is, of course, the importance of the collective security mm. in Europe, uh, which is, of course, uh, a basic feature for uh, the role of NATO. And we in France, we have a Immediately, it was one of the many dimensions of our answer to this invasion. We have participated to the collective uh, decision making. We have uh, deployed new military assets and troops, for instance, in Romania. Mm -hmm. And of course, it is really important that NATO reacts to to this uh, uh, to this uh, invasion as a as the European Union has been doing, and also in close coordination. And from your vantage point here in Washington, as the ambassador to the United States, how does this, how do the new working methods manifest themselves? Did you have a different kind of uh, working relationship with both the administration and uh, the politicians on the Hill on on the back of this invasion? I I think it is fair to say that we have. Um, had always uh, very close uh, links with mm. uh, both with the administration and with the Congress. By the, by the way, in in the two parties, mm. we have a v very active and uh, French caucus in both the House and the Senate, for instance. I work 
uh, we benefit from their friendship and, and also from the very strong relation in economies, uh, the very strong investment mm. and trade partnership between France and the United States. But the war in Ukraine have, has, of course, resulted into a still closer exchange. And since February 24th, even before with the threat, uh, the Russian threat, we, we, we discuss mostly about this. Yeah. We do not forget the other topics, but no. uh, we our, our, our dialogue, our political, strategic uh, exchange is, uh, is uh, mostly dedicated to, the, to this situation, which doesn't mean we forget the rest, uh, the other subjects I mentioned. Mm. But we, we have to, to concentrate on what is, uh, for the time being, the, the biggest threat, with all its consequences worldwide, because it mm. is not a European crisis, it's a no. world crisis. Yeah. And one of the consequences, which we discuss very much with the administration and with the Congress, and which is a, a big worry for the whole of the world, is uh, the security, food security mm. issue. Of course, energy. Yeah. but also food security, right. where our president, President Macron, has taken this initiative called Farm Food and Alimentation Resilience Mission uh, two months ago, and which we develop now, because there is a big threat in many regions of the world of famine, of uh, hunger, and we, we have to act on this, and we, we discuss this very, very closely, very often, and in depth with our American interlocutors. Okay, let's move on a bit then, if I may, uh, Philippe, to uh, the role of France uh, in, in Europe, uh, maybe drawing more on your previous careers in Brussels and Berlin rather than your, your current position. Uh, president Macron, of course, has just won a quite a resigning victory uh, for the presidency and, and uh, having an unprecedented second term. Uh, we're recording this about three weeks before the National Assembly elections, but to what extent do you think in the second term President Macron will have to uh, devote a maybe disproportionate amount of his energy and time to the domestic agenda, however, however defined, as opposed to a, a more traditional or classic in, the, in terms of Mr. Macron's reputation, a leadership role in the European Union? Uh, our president uh, had been elected first time and uh, re-elected on a clear, this time on a clear vision and ambition for uh, France in Europe. So I don't think uh, he will um, he will consider this as uh, less important. Uh, on the contrary, and by the way, if it is so important, it's also because it's uh, directly relevant for for France itself and for our uh, future. Mm. Because basically, the idea of uh, this notion of European sovereignty uh, is that. We will be stronger together, of course, uh, yeah. facing the challenges. Uh, we all, I mean, we all EU, EU member states, EU nations, we, we have to cope with in, in this world. And the, again, the war in Ukraine, the Russian invasion, has led to, a st I, I think, still more awareness of this, uh, which, uh, which is obvious when you look at the statement adopted by the heads of state and government in Versailles. Uh, just before our election, which is uh, a very strong ad 
orientation for more European defense, for more European energy independence, and for more uh, European economic resilience. So this is uh, also a, a set of goals which we have now to to pursue and uh, during this French presidency, which is run, uh, running until the end of the semester, but I'm sure beyond that. Beyond that. Uh, I'm sure that our country will uh, continue to, to carry this uh, ambition. Well, on the question of this ambition, as you may, as you will know, there's a certain amount of maybe uh, a certain paradox, some might say even a hypocrisy amongst other members of the European Union when the, it is said Europe needs more leadership, needs more direction, and then when somebody like Mr. Macron comes along, then giving some leadership and giving some direction, some, some players immediately say, well, what does France think it is? Do you, do you, are you sensitive to the fact that sometimes France is seen as slightly too arrogant and expecting other member states to, to follow their lead? Or, or is it learning how to, to curry favor and build alliances to get more support for its initiatives, for its ideas inside the European Union? I think that we, um, we are here, in a, in a, as you said, in a traditional uh, uh, landscape. Uh, I've served 13 years in Brussels uh, in the French permanent representation, and there is always this um, this kind of a contradiction between uh, hope that at least some leaders will uh, we will we will propose a vision, uh, will express this ambition, and on the other end, the fact that uh, obviously uh, every decision has to be uh, taken according to our treaties and supported yeah. by the institutions, the, the member states, and frankly, and, and in particular now, um, by the with the co-decision process by by the European Parliament and the Council, um, with the, with the essential role of the Commission. So all of this remains, and frankly, uh, France under President Macron has been always and is still very very uh, keen to to keep a a very strong dialogue with all member states i remember when uh, emmanuel macron was elected first time he said he would uh, really reinforce the consultation with germany and you've seen that or during these last years and um, but uh, also that he would be very keen to to have a dialogue with all other member states and you have seen he has made a great a re a real effort to visit the uh, the other member states right. and um, so it's uh, it's fair to 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 underline this uh, effort and this awareness that uh, we know that we have to to be um, in this dialogue with everybody right. to to make um, the decisions which are only possible and sustainable if uh, everybody's on board. The 9th of May, not so long ago, uh, Europe Day, Schumann Day, in Strasbourg, uh, Emmanuel Macron gave this speech to kind of formally close the consultation uh, process of the future Europe uh, Congress, if you like. And um, in that speech, he talked about uh, a European political community, yet another uh, creative, imaginative idea from President Macron. But uh, some critics would say that President Macron is very good on the, the, the grand projet, the big ideas, but maybe the follow-through and the concrete action is sometimes missing. Um, could you explain uh, what does 
President Macron's motivation in putting forward this idea of a European political community, and is there a danger maybe of certain maybe expectations being raised and then dashed if there isn't sufficient uh, concrete follow-through? First, I, I think it is really unfair to say that uh, his uh, a European ambition has been uh, has, an, uh, has not been translated into action. I remember uh, when I was in Paris, uh, uh, subjects which are so concrete, as concrete as a posted workers directive, for right. instance, or uh, even some very important initiatives um, uh, on uh, European defense, such as uh, PESCO or even with Germany and uh, new capacity projects. And I could <laughs> mention do <laughs> dozens of concrete decisions. So it is not it is not uh, absolutely not uh, just uh, statements it's uh, all uh, very very concrete decisions considering the the, the speech we, which uh, president macron gave on in strasbourg on may 9th of course the it was a speech about europe uh, in general and as you as you said it was also a speech based on these consultations of our citizens and the fact that now we have to answer to these uh, consultations which are very clear on what some great big big and important expectations are both in uh, stepping up our um, security efforts but also fighting more decisively against climate change or ensuring um, food security and uh, the quality of our alimentation and, uh, and other other expectations and uh, uh, priorities of our uh, citizens. So this was, uh, if I as far as I understand, the, the, the first message. But of course, there is also this question of enlargement, which is, by the way, uh, very important now. We wait the opinion of the European Commission on the application submitted by Ukraine mm. and also by Moldova and Georgia. So. Right. Everybody was uh, interested to, to hear what our president said on this topic, but uh, we do not forget the Western Balkans either. Yeah. And our presidency is uh, making also uh, uh, big efforts on this issue. There will be a, an important meeting on, on, on Western Balkans before the end of the French presidency. And um, we are working very hard on uh, some dimensions of this issue uh, of the enlargement process and uh, European vocation from Western Balkan countries, such uh, uh, the prospect of opening negoci accession negotiations with uh, Northern Macedonia and Albania. So this was the context. And the idea expressed by our president, and he said it very clearly, of this uh, political community is not an alternative to the implementation of the um, enlargement process according right. to our treaties. He just uh, said that uh, the enlargement, uh, the accession negotiations, and it is our experience, it's a fact, uh, take, a uh, take a long time. Yeah. So it just uh, reflected on the fact th that uh, since it takes a long time, we could maybe uh, think of uh, a, a way to associate countries which are not yet members or which do not want to be members to to in, in, in fields which are really important. He mentioned youth, he mentioned infrastructures, energy and other very important domains which would give more 
very important in very important domains which would give more rapid uh, concrete results well, a final question then, Philippe. President Macron, in that same speech, of course, he wasn't just talking about en enlargement for, for future applicants, but also a sort of a, s a side reference to countries that have left the European Union. And unless he was thinking about Greenland, I think he was talking about United Kingdom, which is a cue for my final question to you. How would you characterize the, the current state of UK-France relations, um, given all the turbulence over, certainly over Brexit, uh, in the past months, um, and how how much you subscribe to this theory that France and UK, whatever their views of whoever's in power in, in respective capitals, they're destined to have to work together and may be destined to want to work together. Well, first I would uh, I would say it is not uh, right now my <laughs> the, the the domain where I I work on, so I I don't uh, pretend to be. Um, to be informed about uh, the last uh, developments here. What I can say that the, the European Union, uh, after uh, the decision of the British people on, brec on Brexit, has negotiated with the United Kingdom uh, treaties, and mm. that uh, it's important to, <laughs> to implement these <laughs> treaties. And it is not a question for France, it is a question mm. for the whole of the European Union. So it should not be uh, presented as some something which is only uh, between Paris and London. The, the the implementation of the treaties which have been uh, agreed on by, by the UK and uh, the European Union is uh, something important for the whole of the European Union. And there is a strong uh, unity and solidarity, of course, inside the EU on this uh, very important question. This being said, and also seen from Washington, of course, I see uh, in relation to the Russian war in Ukraine, for instance, that indeed, and also because France and, and, and the UK are both uh, permanent members of the Security Council, mm. uh, nuclear powers, and I could multiply the examples. Of course, we have uh, an, to, to, to cooperate, uh, and we see um, that UK and France uh, have been among these very Two, two key partners uh, with others, with the United States, with Germany, uh, with uh, Italy, for instance, mm. with Canada, with Japan uh, in the G7, mm. under the German presidency, or in many other, in the United Nations, uh, and um, uh, in many other consultations on the sanctions, we are, we are cooperating, uh, yes, indeed, very closely together and with other uh, partners uh, on this uh, absolutely uh, essential issue which is the reaction of our reaction to the unacceptable invasion of Ukraine. Okay, well we have to leave it there. Philippe Etienne, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much.